Greetings in the name of Jesus Christ. Welcome to our podcast. This is Pastor Madiba. If you happen to be in our area, you are most welcome to visit us. You'll surely feel at home. We appreciate your prayers for our ministry. We hope today's sermon will be edifying to you, your family, and your friends. Welcome. Greetings in the name of our, Lord, of our Lord Jesus Christ. Once again, it is a privilege to come around the table and to break the bread of life. Much appreciated. Now, just before we get into the wait, just a brief announcement. As we have announced, next week's Sunday, we will commence with our in-person services. Uh, next week, Sunday, it will be our first services that we are restoring our program gradually. So we just need to make sure that the same uh, protocols that we used to have during lockdown are going to be put into place. But we are looking forward to have a time of fellowship. It has not been easy uh, to do things virtually. Uh, because we, we, we are not used to, to the virtual environment. We want to see one another, shake hands, uh, but unfortunately we can't do that. But as we pray, the Lord is going to restore things back to normality. But we are looking forward to seeing you in person. It's been a while since we have seen uh, each other. It is just over the text, over the phones. And some of you, I managed to come and see you. Uh, some have been seeing you for quite some time. So I'm looking forward to seeing all of you back in church. But as indicated, let us make sure that we will circulate the list. <clears throat> Excuse me. The list so that we adhere to the number that has been stipulated by the government. But we hope that in no time, Everyone will be back in the house of the Lord, singing, glorifying God. That's what we are looking forward to. We don't thrive in isolation. God doesn't love isolation. Believers don't love isolation. We love to be in the presence of one another. So I'm looking forward 
and just continue to pray for one another. Now, I want to speak to you on a subject, a time-tested memorial. A time-tested memorial, a subtext would be legacy. So the subject is time-tested memorial, and the just the inspiration will be legacy. Now, before we get into the word, let's bow our heads and pray. Excuse me. Gracious Heavenly Father, we appreciate you for the time that you have granted unto us. We're looking forward to to go back to the house of the Lord, to be in the presence of the Lord so that we can glorify God. Lord, you have been such an awesome God. I pray, dear God, for all the believers. I pray for all families, young men, young women, married men, married women, our elderly. We thank you for preserving them, dear God. Thank you, dear God, that you have carried us through your mercy, through this difficult time. But here we are by your grace. Now, as we are going to read the word, may you bless the reading of the word. We commit everything to you in the mighty name of Jesus Christ. Amen. Now, for the scripture reading, we'll turn to the book of Matthew 24, verse 35. Matthew 24. Verse 35, it reads in this manner, Heaven and earth shall pass away. Excuse me. Heaven and earth shall pass away, but my ways shall not pass away. Heaven and earth shall pass away, but my ways shall not pass away. Now, I said I want to speak on time-tested memorial, and the subtitle would be Legacy. Now, Brother Brenham has spoken about this message. I have been reading this message and read a few quotations, and I was tremendously blessed by what I read, and I hope that based on the notes that I have managed to glean from the message, and as we share I hope it will be a blessing to you and your families. Now, let's just start and just to understand what we mean by time-tested. The dictionary says time-tested means well-tried, time-tested, proven, demonstrable, reputable, Trustworthy, proved, tested, tested and proved, dependable, reliable, well tried. Uh, figuratively, we may say it is something that will outlive either a person or either an event or a generation but something that may even outlive time, as I put it in inverted commas, because certain things cannot be carried into eternity, but it means time-tested, something that can stand to the test of time, that can go from generation to generation, and whatever it is, it remains standing. Memorial, a reminder, 
maybe a statue or a structure established to remind people of a person or event. So it is a time-tested memorial, something that has been tested, reputable, trustworthy, proved, tested, dependable, reliable, and well-tried. And that which is a memorial, it may be a statue, a structure established to remind people of a person or an event. I'm just giving you an idea of what I mean when I speak about a time-tested memorial. Now, the prophet of God speaks in this message, the stature of a perfect man, paragraph 342, when he spoke on the virtues. The prophet says, when a man possesses this kind of things, then the Holy Ghost comes upon him. No matter, you might speak with tongues, you might impersonate any gift that God has got, you might do that. But until these virtues here go into you, you are still of the real true foundation of faith. But when these virtues grow in, and you added that to that, then you are a living monument. You are a living, moving idol. That's what the prophet is saying here. So as I'm speaking about a time-tested memorial, and as it speaks about either a statue or a structure that remind people of a person or event, I'm reminded of this quotation that every message believer that has these virtues in them, they are a living monument, a living and moving idol. Thou says the prophet of God. Now, when we speak about memorial, there are certain things that you can do as an individual. Your works may outlive you. Some days or down the line when you are gone, not everything about you will be gone. You will leave behind memories. You will leave behind some elements that would remind people that you once were around. And those things could either be positive or negative. But let's maybe start with this guy whose memory was negative before we move on to the positive side of things. In the message time-tested memorials of God, paragraph 46, the prophet says, one memorial that I'd like to refer, like to, refer to now is in Ohio. And there was an infidel, I forget his name, I got the picture somewhere there in my collection at home where he was so firmly against Christianity till he wanted a memorial built to him after his death with his foot on the Bible pointing down like that and saying, away with religious superstitions 
and up with modern science. And when he was dying, he said, if I have been wrong, serpents will crawl out of my grave. And when he died, when he died, they were, they were still shoveling the dust, the dead into the grave, and they killed two or three big vipers. And today in that grave, the minister took taken a picture recently and brought it to show me, and hanging over the chains around his Lord, the graveyard is beautiful place, but his mound is nothing but a snake mound. And no matter, even into the fall and winter, serpents still crawl from his grave. A memorial. God forbid me ever have a memorial like that or any of you. Now, this gentleman wanted to be remembered as a guy that was against Christianity. And he made a vow that he may to prove if, and he says, uh, away with religious superstitions and up with modern signs. And he says, if I've been wrong, serpents will crawl out of my grave. And did indeed, serpents did crawl, even crawl out of his grave, even during the winter season, where it is difficult to find serpents or snakes because they are hibernating. But with this particular fellow, God had to respect his weights that, as you said, you need to be proven that you are wrong. Serpents will crawl out of your grave. Now, Brahman says, may God forbid that it should be either his memorial or be our memorial. Now, as you are living, as you are leaving your footprints on the sand of time, there will be time when you are gone where you have to be remembered. And my question, even before I get into my message, how would you want to be remembered? How would you want to be remembered by your neighbors? How would you want to be remembered by your acquaintances? How would you want to be remembered by your colleagues? How would you want to be remembered by your business associates? How would you want to be remembered by, by fellow believers? And how you would be remembered? It is determined by the kind of life that you live now. My, my advice is that as you live, make sure that you are at all times. Make sure that you are on the basis, you, are, you deal with people fairly. Every person that you come in contact with, deal with them fairly. Whether they are a Christian or not a Christian, deal with them fairly. So that despite any other thing that you may leave behind, but I think any Christian would aspire to leave behind a good name that is associated with integrity, that is associated with their Christian standing. So that's what I would want to speak on now. Now, we have monuments. You look at the pyramids in Egypt, 
it is still one of the seven wonders of the world. It's still amazing. It is mind-boggling how this amazing uh, architectural monuments are standing in Egypt today. Some do not even believe. I believe it was Donald Trump that insinuated that it must have been aliens that have built the pyramids and the Egyptian officials invited him to come and see that indeed they were built by Egyptians. Now, when you look at this, I think the pyramid, it is a subject on its own because even they show that it was built right on the center of the earth and Brother Brenham comes, he tells you that the pyramid cast no shadow. Now, we'll get to some people have been to Egypt and they say they've seen the shadow around the pyramid. But when you go and check, none of the shadows of the pyramid touches the ground. But it's another subject for another day. But I'm saying the pyramids have outlived generations. They have outlived the people that have built them. And they are still standing there as a time-tested memorial. Something that the Egyptians are still looking at. Something that tourists are still looking at in awe. Uh, based because it is just mind-boggling, as I say. Now, but... Uh, what inspired my message, it is the Sydney Harbour Bridge in Australia. And Brother Brenham has spoken about this bridge in the message, the time-tested memorials. And we are going to look into this because it is where I drew my inspiration. This bridge maybe. The engineer that built this bridge, it was a, name, a man called John Bradfield. John Bradfield, he was born on the 26th December 1867, and he uh, died on the 23rd of September 1943. And there is a reason why I'm drawing your attention to John Bradfield, because the prophet has gone... Uh, he's gone in. He's gone at. He was at pains to paint a picture of what this man went through to build that magnificent bridge in Sydney, Australia. Now we will get into understanding what this man went through, and we'll draw some of the lessons and show how they can apply in a spiritual realm. Now. Some of the facts around the Sydney Harbour Bridge. The bridge was first opened in 1932. It was opened in 1932. Even Brother Brennan mentions in the spoken word. And then it contained, the second fact around that, the bridge contains 6 million hand-driven rivets. It is 1,149 meters long. In 1932, this brother speaks about it. In 1932, 96 steam locomotives 
were positioned in various ways to test the load capacity of the bridge. All the steel used to build the harbor bridge weighs 52,800 tons. Massive. It took 1,400 men eight years to build the bridge. 16 people died in the construction of the bridge. The harbor bridge's original cost was 4.2 million US dollars. This was in 1932. It took 55 years to pay it off. These are nine facts that I've mentioned around the bridge. Now, Brother Brenham, or maybe before I get there, Brother Brenham says when the Australian government wanted to build that bridge, they issued out what we would call a tender in South Africa or a project and invited engineers to come and submit their plans on how they can build the bridge. Now, we know that this bridge, it is just across the river. Now, Brother Brenham says, after they issued out that project, it says engineers from America came and had a look, and they all shook their heads and said, look, where you want to build the bridge, it is sandy, so the foundation will not stand because it is sandy. Now, there's too much sand. Now, later on, some engineers came from Europe and they all shook their heads. Some locally in Australia shook their heads. So every engineer of reputation then considered the bridge to be a risk or a mission impossible, if I would call it that. Now, but when this gentleman, John Bradfield, came, Brother Brenham says, this was a man of reputation. He says, this was a young man that came, he tested, he went all the way, and he blew up the, the sand, he went dark and dark until he reached the hard surface and did his test and came around and said, it can be done. I will take the job. Now, and some of the people said, look, it will ruin your reputation. He said, I'm willing to put my reputation on the block. It can be done. <laughs> Brother Brenham, in the message Perseverance, he says, a lot of times great men that amounted to, to something in life were men that were willing to be perseverant. Now, this man despite the obstacles, he, perse he persevered and said it, can, it could be done. Now, we find that the critics make mockery of him and said it could not be done. And actually, I went to, to dig up one article, I think that is when they announced his death in 1943. They made a remark in the newspaper right there that most of the critics before he took this project 
many of them doubted that he was indeed an engineer. And it says he preferred to ignore them even though he could have presented the evidence to the contrary, but he pre preferred to be quiet about it. Now, you see, when you know your worth and know who you are, you don't need to prove anything to anyone. And we'll get into the Christian side of things. I'm still on the natural, taking the inspiration of this man as it was painted by Brother Brenham. So he was not so much obsessed about critics. And Brother Brenham says, this man took the job. And as he took the job, I want to read in the time-tested memorials of God, paragraph 52, Brother Brenham says, you see, a man's character is made known by his works. He doesn't, a man's character is not known by what he professes to be. It is not known by what some people say he is. It is known by his works. Your works identify your character. So you see, a man's character is made known by his works. Whatever you are, your works prove what you, what you are. No matter how much you testify, what you say, pro or con, that has nothing to do with it. Your works tell what you are, tells what you are inside. Every job that you do manifests what you are. Every job that you do manifests what you are. Now, even before I get to speak about this, now when it comes to matters of legacy. Anything, any job, any work that is going to carry your signature, that is going to bear your name, make sure that you do not compromise when you demand excellency because your name will be attached to that. If you are going to be whatever you are going to be, especially in the kingdom of God, make sure that there is no room for mediocrity. Whatever you do, you do it to your best of your ability. If you're going to be a Christian, be the best Christian that you can be. Even if you're going to be a father or a mother or a husband or wife, just make sure that you become the best that you can be and make sure that there is no mediocrity that is associated with your name because as the prophet says, every job that you do manifests what you are. This one I'm not going to move away because this gentleman, when he, this engineer that built a bridge, he knew that what I'm going to do here it is going to be linked with my reputation. Either it can make or break my reputation. And many years one, when I'm gone, my name will be associated with this work. It will stand as a time-tested memorial. It will stand as a legacy. So he was not willing to go into it and do it half-heartedly. I hate to do things half-heartedly. And I believe when Christ went to the cross, 
He did not do a half-done job. That is why when he hung on the cross, he said it is finished, meaning it was something that was perfect that was done. It was a perfect sacrifice that was offered on the cross. God does not do things half-heartedly. If God heals you, he heals you completely. If God blesses you, God blesses you completely. If God takes you from one point to the next point, he is not going to leave you in between. He will see his promises through. And that is why we can boldly say, heaven and earth shall pass away, but his ways shall not pass away. And they will stand as a time-tested memorial. Now, let's move along. Brother Branham brings another time-tested memorial in the message, The Junction of Time, paragraph 91. He says they've gone, they've went on down in Sodom and Gomorrah, and we find out that God in that day performed miracles. He brought fire out of the skies and sweep away the city and cleaned off the land and gave it to all, to it all to Abraham. And Lord's wife tended to a pillar of salt because she looked back as a memorial of disgrace. Now, when God extended mercy or grace to Sodom and Gomorrah and rescued Lord and his daughters, his wife turned to look back. Now, Brother Ram says she turned into the pillar of salt because she looked back, and now today she is a memorial of disgrace. Ladies and gentlemen, God has granted us, for those that would listen to this broadcast and have time to really listen to me, we are sitting at a point where we are told statistically the COVID-19 has claimed almost, now we are approaching million lives around the world. Yes, there have been people that have been healed and that managed to defeat the disease. But my question would be those that managed to defeat the disease and those that were never infected by this disease. My question would be, if we are given more days, more years, more weeks, more months, what are we going to use those that time for? Either the time that we have been given could be used for the glory of God. We can use that time to bring glory to the kingdom of God, or we can bring a disgrace to the kingdom of God. Now, you know, there are people that had they died at a certain age, they would have died being believers. They would have died being veterans of faith. They would have died being men of honor and women of honor. But uh, later on, because they were given extra time, they misused that. And the remainder of time, they used it to erase the good time or the good contribution and good efforts that they've given to the kingdom of God. May we not be like that. May the time that has been granted to us, extra days that have been granted to us, may they be used for God's honor. May they be used for God's 
to uh, to demonstrate or to bring glory to the kingdom of God. Now, Lord's wife is standing today as a memorial of disgrace. There are people you run through the Bible timeline. There are people that have stood and are still standing today as a memorial of disgrace. And we've got people that almost became a memorial of disgrace, but with the time that they were given, they used that time to turn the tables, if I were you to use that phrase. People like Samson, he had failed to God. He had done terrible things. The very nation that he was born to defeat had captured him and poked out eyes, and he was there with empty sockets. But while they had called that ceremony to celebrate the the victory of Dagon over Jehovah, Brother Brum says it was such a disgraceful sight. When they came to celebrate that victory and they were there, filled up that hall and had preliminaries, a curtain raisers before they could bring the men of the day, a clown, a man that was supposed to be a servant of God, was now being brought onto the stage as a clown, and he was being brought onto the stage by a young boy. And Brother Brenham says, while they were waiting there, and Samson was there leaning against one pillar, and Brother Brenham says, Samson began to speak to God. Firstly, he says, Samson remembered the past victories. Samson remembered the past testimonies. Samson remembered that how he had destroyed the Philistines. He remembered how just a mention of his name would scare them off. But in that moment, they were celebrating, half drunk, looking at the servant of God. Brother Bram says Samson was there with his muscles, but the strength of Samson was not in the muscle. He says his hair had begun to grow, but the strength was not in the hair but the strength was behind the power. It was the power of God. And he says when he was there, then he began to regain the strength. Brother Bram says, Samson whispered and said, Oh Lord, just once more. And when he said that, and God said, God restored his servant. And right there, he killed more Philistines during that time than he had ever done in his life. And I'm saying, You've got Philistines in your life. You've got things that have been said to you. You've got things that you were born to defeat so that your life could become a testimony in this generation. Maybe some of those things have somewhat have, have now an upper hand over your life. My, I'm submitting to you that as long as there's still a breath in your body, you, as Samson did, you could say, Oh Lord, just once more. And you could, you can achieve more victories now than you have ever attained in your entire life. Now, let us not be a memorial of disgrace. Let us be a memorial of honor. Now, I continue in the time tested memorials of God. Brother Brenham says, you see, this gentleman, this engineer that built the bridge in Sydney, this man, Brenham says he was a man of reputation. 
Brother Brenham says in the message, he says, look, other engineers, great men, had looked at the job and said it could not be done. And as somebody said, if you think it cannot be done, do not disturb somebody that believes it can be done. Now, time-tested memorials of God, paragraph 101. Oh, I like that. I like a man with a reputation. Oh, you don't have to be a big man. You can be a pauper that lives in an alley and have a reputation far better than a pointate. Absolutely. You don't have to be rich. You can just have a reputation. It declares your reputation and what you are makes you what you are. Your reputation and what you are makes you what you are. It gives you your reputation. You are known by your reputation. Now, somebody says, integrity is what you do when no one else is looking. Character is who you are. Reputation is a byproduct of your integrity. I want to submit what breaks my heart, and I need to say this, it may be unpopular, it may rattle the nest, but I need to say that. It is sometimes heartbreaking to find unbelievers who have more integrity than people that claim to be believers. You say, Brother Madiba, what are you doing? What are you saying? Yes, I understand what I'm talking about. No wonder the prophet says, I would rather stay with a drunkard than to stay with a liar. Because a drunkard, you know, doesn't pretend to be anything else than who they are. What they say they are is exactly what they are. And if you know them as drunkards, that's their reputation. So there is no conflict between what they project to be and what they are. And as Christians, my desire, as you think on matters of legacy, as you think on matters of time-tested memorial, make sure that what you are or what you profess to be and what you are are not in conflict. You are known by your reputation. This young engineer, I read about him. He was a man of reputation. He had done very well for himself in school, in the University of Sydney. So he was a man of reputation. And when he said, I'm taking my job, I'm taking this project, he understood what was at stake. And we know that there is another spiritual engineer called the Lord Jesus Christ, who came from the corridors of eternity, who had a reputation. And when everybody said, you can't live a holy life, you can't have a church without spot or wrangle, and men looked, great men looked and said, cannot be done. But here was a spiritual engineer, the Lord Jesus Christ. He went all the way. He dug up. He went there, extricated the sand, and make sure that he goes all the way down and found a solid ground. And from here he said, I will build my church. He's a man of character. He's a man that is known by his works. 
Lord Jesus Christ. What he said he will do is exactly what he will do. He keeps his promises. Now, Brother Brenham says in this message, time-tested memorials of God. Paragraph 104. Before a man can make a reputation, he has to have a vision of what he's doing. You, you, don't, you don't have a reputation. Reputation, it's a deliberate effort. Today, you're, you're, you look around the world. The Lord Jesus Christ spent only three and a half years preaching the gospel. Only three and a half years. But what he preached in those three and a half years, 2,000 years later, it is still standing. Even critics that would want to dispute that the Lord Jesus Christ once lived here on earth, they still use some of the manuscripts that come from that era when they write history. Now, it is a re- his reputation based on what he has done. So Brahman says, before a man can make a reputation, he has to have a vision, a clarity of vision of what he's doing. Now, my question would be, are you deliberate on your vision? Do you understand what you are doing? Let's bring it onto your doorstep as a message believer. You being a message believer, is it by default or by design? Is it something that you are intentional about or you are forced by circumstances? And what legacy would you want to leave behind as a message believer. Because before you can have make a reputation, you have to have a vision of what you are doing. Myself as a pastor, is it just to have a title to be a pastor or is there a vision attached to that? And I believe that it's intentional. There is a vision. I have a vision as a pastor. I have a vision as an individual, as a message believer. You must have a vision. Now, Brother Brenham says, when he speaks about this gentleman, he says he he dug all the way down until he had to find a, a hard surface and tested everything, and his tests were confirming one thing. It can be done. Now, the prophet says, time tested memorials of God, Triple one paragraph. It says that's the way God does his church. He gives you trial after trial. (laughs) Brother, because this man, when he was building this bridge, he had to test everything. Now, the Lord, God, that's exactly what he does to his church. He gives you trial after trial, test after test, trial after trial, test after test until the life of Christ is reflected in you, until you become peaceful, sober, meek, gentle, humble, ready, submissive, willing, turn your head on the things of the world and looking straight to Calvary to the one who's doing the beating. Many times you think it's strange because fairy trials, sickness and persecutions it's only done to test you. 
to get the debt out of you. Remember, you had to get the debt, to go to the surface, to get the sludge out of you, to get the slowness out of you, to wake you up to the place where you can look and see the reflection or a man can see the reflection of Christ in you, Christ in you, the hope of glory. As this gentleman, Mr. Bradford, went all the way and dug until he found a foundation and tested everything. Every believer as God is building his church because we are the building blocks of the church. God will test everything to make sure that he, this is grounded. This foundation has to be solid and the foundation is the Lord Jesus Christ. That's why he went all the way down to the bottom to make sure that everything the center can hold as they say. Now, Brother says, time tested memorials of God. Says, but he's got a church that's tested, went through the trials, through losses, and through sickness, through sorrow, through death, and still stand with a testimony. I'm glad I want to be such a believer that I can go through trials. I can go through losses. I can th go through sicknesses. I can go through sorrow. I can go through death. And still my testimony will stand. That's the man. Yes, that's the man he is looking for. Oh, brother, this is getting me excited. Because this gentleman, what he did, Brother Bram says, after he dug, he says critics were there criticizing him, but he went all the way dug up. And he built that bridge. And we know it took over eight years. 1,400 men, 16 men died, tons and tons of steel. And this man believed that it could be done. That bridge had to have a, a railway line. That bridge has got six lanes. So this man then came the time in 1932 after he had built. And people were coming and said it will not stand because it was on a sandy ground. This man said, I've done my test. I've dug all the way until I found the hard surface. It is standing on a solid ground. They say it will not stand for long. How many of you, when you came into the message and got converted, some of you that told you it will not last a week. You will not last a month. You will not last a quarter. You will not last a year. But many years later, you are still standing. Why? It's because you were rooted. You went all the way down and you were rooted in the foundation of your faith. You were rooted in Christ. That's why you can sing that song, I shall not be moved, just like a tree that's planted by the water. Now, this gentleman, after he had built the bridge, then came a time where he wanted to demonstrate to everyone that it can be done. It was an opening of it was an opening of the bridge. Now we find out Brother Brenham says, let me see here. Brother Brenham says the time came where he had to open and invited the media. He invited the mayor. He says there were locomotives that were there. Well, I think we are told about 96 locomotives 
And we're told truckloads were there because they wanted to test the load capacity of the bridge. And the man who was standing there and said, I will go in the front. Brother says this engineer had the confidence about his work. And the mayor, and remember, confidence is contagious. When the mayor looked at this man and realized that the man had confidence, even the mayor had confidence and said, I will go side by side with you. Came a time where they wanted to demonstrate that this bridge can stand to the test of time. This was in 1932. $4.2 million had been spent. And they crossed the bridge. And the bridge today, it is still standing. The man that built that bridge died in 1943. But in 2020, you have not been to Australia until you go to that tourist attraction and see that massive technology was limited there. But this man with 1,400 delivered the result. And the bridge stood to the test of time. It is standing there as a time memorial. And Brother Brenham says, it reminds me about this spiritual engineer, the Lord Jesus Christ, that came from the corridors of eternity, that took on the body of flesh. And after he took on the body of flesh, he went all the way to Golgotha. And he went to hang on the cross. And he came and he died. And the Bible says he went down to the region of the Lord. He went all the way down because he wanted to make sure that this church is based on a solid ground, that there is nothing that will intimidate a believer. And he built this church because he says, I will build my church. The gates of hell shall, shall wrestle against it, but they will not prevail. I will build my, my church. And he is built he has built his church. Now, on those words, I want to say, today we are standing as the products of that memorial day. Today we are standing because the Lord Jesus Christ says, said, I can take the job. Satan said, look, I've made them to fall into sin. I've made them to be spiritually deficient. But the Lord said, no, 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 no. I can reverse the damage. He came into the body of flesh, went to all the way to Golgotha and died on the cross. And today, every man and every woman has an opportunity to become a believer. And even through this message, this message has been subjected to critics. And I'm glad that critics arose because everything that must hang if before a picture can hang in the Hall of Fame, it must go through critics. And as critic after critic came, I'm telling you, the prophet has long gone, 1965, but the message, it is still standing. And my question is, people can litter the internet with websites, criticism, brother Brennan. I always have a question. Why would you be bothered? by a man with grade 7 educations. 50 years later, we're approaching almost 60 years, but people are still bothered by what this man preached. It tells you this message has as well stood the test of time. As the story of the cross stood the test of time, as the story of Moses leading the Israelites out of Egypt 
It became a time-tested memorial. Today we can use Moses to encourage you. Today we can use Joshua to encourage you. We can use Elijah to encourage you. We can use John the Baptist. We can use Paul. We can use the saints. We've got a cloud of witness. My question is, can we use your life to encourage somebody? Can we use, use your life to encourage somebody that it can be done? Look at this brother. Look at this sister. They have done it. Therefore, it could be done. Folks, one day we will move. One day we'll be taken off the scene. One day our cart will be called out. My question is that when your cart is called out and they announce that you are gone, and they announce and people go around maybe posting on social media and say, he's gone, rest in peace. What would be your legacy? What would be that you would be leaving behind that is attached to your reputation? I believe the greatest thing that you can leave behind, let everybody that knew you, let everybody that came in contact with you, let them say, he was a servant of God. She was a servant of God. That is our desire. And as we are living from day to day, as we have been granted this extra time, I'll call it that way, people have died around the world from different causes. You and I are still breathing. You and I, we have been, we have been insulated from everything that has hit this world. For what purpose? What are we going to use this extra time that we've been given? What are we going to be using it for? Are we still going to be cheshing? Are we still going to be playful? Are we still going to be bitter? Are we still going to harbor grudges? Are we still going to be petty? Are we still going to be full of malice? Is this what would we want to be remembered for? Folks, I have stood next to many castles. I've conducted many funerals in my life. And every time I stood next to a casket and I look at the man or the woman and I say, they once was alive, but this person is gone. Where they are, what is their reflection of their life? Brother Brenham says, I've seen pitiful sights. He says, I've seen women by the street side begging for bread with kids that have gone hungry for a few days. He says, I've seen sorrowful sights, but he says, the most sorrowful sight that I've ever seen was to see a man or a woman that could have been a son or a daughter of God dying without God. Young ones, old ones, this life is not guaranteed. We may be called at any time. I want to push you to introspect. How has my life been? Am I at peace with everyone? Do I have bitterness? Do I still participate in gossip? Do I still participate in belittling people? Do I still... Do I, still, do I still have time, maybe as a minister, for silly church 
politics. What are you going to use this term for? Men that have been advancing wrong doctrines post COVID-19. What is your reflection? Are you going to carry on preaching error? Men that were prisoners of their own egos, are you still going to be arrogant? Or are you going to humble yourself? And as Samson of the old said, Oh Lord, once more, I'm standing here myself saying, Oh Lord, once more. The message, blushing prophet, as he comes to the end of the sermon, he says, Oh Lord, if I have been guilty of dereliction of duty, forgive me, Lord. He says, I've won a million souls. I could have won 10 million souls. But because of my slothfulness, because of me paying attention on what other people were saying, it delayed my progress in advancing your kingdom. I'm appealing to everyone. We are not here eternally. One day we will be gone. I'm inviting you to introspect. I'm, inv- I'm inviting you to approach life differently. As fathers, let us approach life differently. As mothers, let's approach life differently. Folks, we are returning back to church. I personally do, don't view church the same way I viewed church before this COVID-19. This period has ushered me into a season of sincerity where there is introspection, where I interrogate certain things. Should I have done it that way? Should I have approached it that way? And I am in a moment where I'm reconsidering things. And I hope that it will be the same with you. I hope that it will be the same with your family. I hope it will be the same with our church. Maybe we've been playing church. Maybe we've not been sincere enough. But had we been taken by COVID-19, what would have people remembered about us? My greatest desire is that when I come to the end of my journey, let me be remembered by a person, as a person that never compromised one iota from the message of the hour and from the word of God. That I've said what the prophet said, I've lived what the prophet has said, and I've kept the integrity of the message. And if I've been petty, Lord, forgive me. If I've been and I, an agent of church politics, God forgive me. If I have misrepresented you in any way, Lord, forgive me. We are standing at the altar now and say, God, be merciful. That is our desire. As we bow our heads and pray. Gracious Heavenly Father, I thank you for the time that you have given us. I thank you for preserving us. Lord, you have given us an extra time. What for? I believe you have given us an extra time to become better agents 
and better representatives, better ambassadors of your kingdom. I pray for every man. I pray for every woman. I pray for a young girl, a young boy. Maybe they've just been living with no sense of vision. Maybe they've just been approaching things in life haphazardly. But your prophet says, the work is a manifestation of someone's character. Lord, help us not to be mediocre when it comes especially on your matters. Wherever we go, we represent you. If we are in school, we represent you. If we are in the workplace, we represent you. If we are in church, we represent you. In our families, we represent you. If there has been any misrepresentation, Lord, forgive us. It's our heart's desire to please you. I pray for every brother and every sister. I pray for the refilling of the Holy Spirit. I pray for sincerity, dear God. For this time remaining, we don't know what is next. COVID-19 has interrupted the world, but I believe that it was just a rehearsal of something bigger that is coming. I commit every brother and every sister to you in the name of our Lord Jesus Christ. Amen. God bless you richly. Till we meet next Sunday, we'll have a Wednesday broadcast. Then Sunday we are back in church and we'll have in-person service. Looking forward to interact with you. May God richly bless you and all the best. We love you. God bless you.